Hey, thanks for tuning in to Not the Worst Podcast. In episode two, we discuss DARPA's new military philosophy called Mosaic Warfare, game developer crunch, and the new game The Last of Us 2, and a Minecraft library built to house censored media. Come join us. Hello, podcast universe. This is the Not the Worst Podcast podcast, and this is episode two. I am JD, and this is my co-host. Co-host. Oh, 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 I got something in my throat. Co-host. Oh, Anthony, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about. Well, we actually got some military stuff to talk about today, which will be a first. I mean, it's only our second episode. But, you know, but it's it's like a minor, it's like one story out of like six that we're going to be talking about. So, yeah, I don't cool. know how much detail go into it either. No, it's fine. Um, it's it's good. I think it's, you know, it mixes it up a little bit. And then we got a couple of gaming things to talk about. Yeah. yeah. And the gaming should, especially, I'm excited about both of them. So, it should yeah. be interesting. Yeah, it's uh, interesting discussions. Worth, worth having, I think. Let's Let's go to the... Uh, mosaic warfare that you were talking about before, uh, that you sent me a couple leaks about and why don't you break that down for us tell us what mosaic warfare is and why anybody should care <laughs> maybe nobody should care it depends um it's i actually just found it interesting um it made me think of an old old video it's one i'm still at langley that it's a new approach to how we're going to do warfare in the future which obviously that's no shocker we're going to constantly be looking at how uh, the military and the government will be conducting warfare in the future. Uh, this program that was being headed up by DARPA, and they, they it's going by two names now. Mosaic Warfare is the official name. The second name is the Lego Warfare, or Lego War. Um, and the basic, the the simple version of the, the simple breakdown of this concept is instead of like say we have a specific mission we need to do in a war and instead of just saying hey you know what we're just going to send the army in and do this or even if we have air force in the little the involvement would be little um it's supposed to be like layers of little small bits and pieces of component involving the u.s government and the military having to deal with um dealing with potential threats uh the best way they gave an example of this is it w it was interesting um and one of the reasons why it's kind of pushing this new strategy into warfare is uh china honestly is what's motivating this china and a little bit of russia but china seems to be the ba big motivation on this new strategy um being that china has literally invested a lot of time and money over the past years to figure out how to counter us specifically and how we conducted warfare. They found out China's been studying our involvement in Iraq and Afghanistan and are kind of like head bashing with um, Iran and our involvement with Syria. And they've been analyzing what we've been doing to handle those conflicts to see how they can counter us. And right now we rely heavily on our assets like uh, air power. We do a lot of massive airstrikes uh, to take out targets and try to get as little troop involvement as possible. And we use platforms like uh, where I'm currently at. We have what's called the J-Star, the E-8C that's built by Northrop Grumman. And it's an ISR platform that uses, it's mainly for reconnaissance, but it does electronic warfare kind of things, does some jamming. But it's mainly used to relay information to the um, field commanders on tar potential targets to engage, um, 
The, um, from what I understand from the EAC, though, is to gather tar intel on targets before going into an engagement, whereas the AWACS, um, they, the E9s, they gather real-life data on targets and relay that information as the combatant commanders on the field engage targets to include ground targets and, I mean, ground forces and air forces and sometimes even the Navy if we have the, if we're close enough to involve the Navy. Um, but China has realized this and has invested a lot of money and not so much aside from like uh, their ship destroying missiles they got now. Um, and so now they got anti-satellite missiles they're working on. Uh, they're working on a lot of information warfare, like hacking, blocking our data transfers. Um, and that, that's going to hurt us a lot because we rely too heavily on it. And going up against people like Iraq and Afghanistan, we really didn't have to worry about protecting ourselves from those things because they were very guerrilla warfare style people. They weren't really big into electronic warfare or anti-missile ships and all that. So um, that... Uh, they did mention Russia, but everything I read and watched kept saying China, China, China. So this is obviously a big counter to whatever China's got going on with them right now with kind of Russia as a back page because they know probably if we get involved in China, Russia might try something too. Um, but this whole philosophy of war, I guess is the way you describe it. Instead of lately, we've been seeing like the development of the F-22, the F-35. There's supposed to be a brand new stealth bomber that we're working on, but apparently that's been put on hold uh, for funding issues or whatever, because the, the military is taking a lot of budget cuts, um, rightfully so in some areas. And in my personal opinion, unrightfully so, but that's going to get dive into the political side of things. And that's not what this podcast is going to be about. Um so that has hurt like mainly the air forces which is where i'm mainly tied in so that's why i took interest in it because this is actually this new strategy is going to rely heavily on air force and its assets um and to repurpose them so they don't become obsolete that way we don't have to spend millions and billions and trillions of dollars on new equipment um instead of just repurpose what we have and maybe even if we have to develop new equipment it's smaller cheaper and more expendable so that way we're not worried about like these uh, what, i can't remember what the f-22 cost it was over a trillion dollars i think for the development of the f-22 um so the government's trying to get away from that so they're because now the f-22 we spent all that money and the simple answer to the f-22 is it cannot get anywhere close to china now to engage targets because China's spent all this time to counter it. So uh, I watched a video put on by DARPA. It was actually pretty interesting. Um, unfortunately, I didn't leak it in our document. I found it tonight. And it, it actually kind of simplified it. They got really technical in the discussion about mosaic warfare. And I actually fell asleep during it a few times. So, um, But DARPA had a simple version of it. And they had you know pretty graphics and animations and stuff to show what they're talking about. So I was able, it was kind of like a picture book. I was able to follow along a little better. But um, the best way to describe this concept is... Um, they specifically use a Air Force heavy operation. Like, let's say we get ready to weaken ground targets on like, in, like China's building a lot of man-made islands in this China Sea. Um, so they use an example of us getting ready to take out some targets on this island so we can get ground assets onto this island, either via a ship or airdrop or whatever, however we want to get them in there. And they had one lone F-35 completely converted to actually not even... Uh, completely converted to not only engage ground targets, but also to be able to designate and coordinate. It was like a mobile command center 
all in this one F-35. So the F-35 was flying like ahead towards the island, and they were specifically talking about taking out anti-air defenses that China's spent a lot of money on that basically our parent, the way it's built now, our planes, even our south ones, are going to struggle getting anywhere near the island to attack because once they get in that range, a missile goes up, the jet's shot down, and that's it. And it's over. Um, so what this F-35 does, it, it flies towards the island like it's going to do a ground strike. So China's going to like, oh, they're coming. We're getting ready to get in, uh, get in this attack. And then the F-35 designate goes, hey, I'm picking up a radar signal, signal over here and relays it back to a modified C-130 that literally becomes a flying mothership. It, it's like, um, it literally, for those who plays like uh, RPGs and stuff, it calls out minions from itself. It drops like three or four tiny drones about the size of like maybe Cessnas out from the C-130. They fly ahead of the F-35. Um, they work together to find, they're not even looking for the missile sites. They're looking for the radar that's jamming and detecting the F-35 coming in. And they paint this target with imagery and sensors and they fly like in a diamond shape formation and they all relay information back and forth to each other and they're supposed to do it in an anti-hacking ability i mean everybody keeps using the word anti-hacking but give it time everything's hackable but uh, at the current technology they're working with it shouldn't be hackable so these drones find a diamond formation they target they specifically look for the radar that's detecting the f-35 designate that target they also between three of them work a jamming system so the radar can't pick them up and so to make them last as long as possible but they're supposed to be really cheap drones so if we, they get shot down nobody's going to cry over it but obviously they don't want to just let them fly in and get, let them get shot down and waste all that money because i mean nobody likes hearing taxpayers dollars just getting blown out of the sky and say hey it's okay that's what we built it for um uh and then they relay that information back to the f-35 the pilot will have a heads-up display in the f-35 and ultimately, they're trying to use as little human interaction as possible. However, the pilot makes the final call of whether or not to engage the target and what target that should be. So the F-35, um, will he will analyze the data from the drones. He'll look at the imagery that the drones were able to, to generate. They'll make a 3D image of the target. And he goes, yep, that's exactly what we're looking for. He relays it back to the C-130, which will drop about 10 miniature cruise missiles that apparently one of them alone is not enough to take out a target. But again, they're super cheap. They're, they'll be easy to produce. And the whole concept is these miniature cruise missiles will drop from the C-130 and just launch towards the target. And then the target will panic thinking it's aircraft coming in. They'll launch the anti-aircraft missiles, take out some of the cruise missiles. And all they need is two of the 10 missiles to get through to take out their target. So the, the anti-air system will take out the other cruise missiles thinking it's incoming enemy aircraft. And the two that survive will come in, take out the radar site. Then the F-35 will come in behind the radar site and destroy the anti-air missiles. And then, so, and then it's, they take other small pieces. I mean, they didn't get into the ground aspect, but then the army can, or the Marines will take the top out, um, making smaller Navy ships instead of the massive, huge Navy ships we used to know, because now they're big big giant targets for the China the Chinese to hit uh, with little to no defense capabilities against what China's developed. So they're trying to go smaller, less manned, cheaper is like the basic concept. And all these small pieces within the branches are supposed to make this big giant picture of war. So the, let's say the Navy comes in 
the Marines, instead of using these gigantic, I don't know if you've seen them, JD, the gigantic uh, hovercraft that the Marines have used for landing operations every now and then. I I don't think I've seen them in active combat, but when I was in Virginia, I could see them in the Chesapeake Bay every now and then. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know if I've ever seen those. They're big enough to haul like an M1 Abrams on it, and if they wanted to, they can have a helicopter on there and like a couple hundred troops. Um, but So they're going from these gigantic hovercrafts to these little rib boats. Um, like you would get in a battlefield and the Marines will just like a boat will have five Marines with a bunch of equipment and each boat will carry different squads of Marines and every Marine was responsible for equipment and they'll end up building like missile launch platforms on the beach once they land and then they secure the beach and then the army will come in and the army will have like little drones that they can drive along ahead of the platoon and they'll like be so small like the enemy if they're looking for an armored battalion and they find an enemy tank hiding in some bushes somewhere the drone will see that tank mark it relay it back to the army who would relay it back to the marines missile battery and the missile battery will will that without even thinking the moment the army says yes this is it missile battery launches destroys the tank the marine army continues on without even physically engaging they even talk about portable anti-tank missiles so these are these army guys can be like way out of sight and mark the tank with this drone and launch the missile without even having to see the tank from their own shoulders or relay it back and so it would be like a fallback to the fallback if the and the marines can't hit it with the missile battery or the missile gets destroyed before getting them uh, to the tank and the army will use their shoulder mounted missiles and go in and take out the tank so it's it's the reason why is because Chinese, the Chinese have focused so hard to combat our our strategies that um, they want to be able on the fly. Anytime China counters something, they want to be able to go like that, and then a new strategy comes up before the Chinese can react, and they can take it out. So it's like a big game rock, paper, paper scissors. So we play the paper, and China plays the scissors, and then we play the rock immediately after before China can react, and we take out those scissors. And it's, it's so these tiny pieces are, that's why they call it the say war. They're tiny pieces for a big picture and everything is cheaper, smaller, and quicker. So that's what made me get all excited about this. Cause it sounds like they're furthering this whole concept of instead of having, uh, like a kind of like a, in smite, a five on five match of fighter jet versus fighter jet, they're doing, everybody's got a role and they're going to fill that role and use that role to the strategy and pick them down little by little until the actual fighter squadron gets in and they have barely anything to clean up by the time they get there so cool i thought that was pretty neat yeah, yeah. I, was, I was trying to think of like a good analogy for somebody who isn't military or doesn't you know doesn't mm -hmm. really relate and i think i think i think looking at the mosaic warfare like like our military now is apple from the 1990s right mm -hmm. back then apple was trying to compete with microsoft and they were trying to build a bigger and better computer every time they were coming out with new imacs and new desktops mm -hmm. and they were just trying to make it the best computer they had and then steve jobs comes in and they're like forget forget the computers let's let's make something small and then they made the iphone right so then yeah. so then the iphone became something that they were making smaller and smaller every time. And they were making different iterations of it every single time. And you had like the iPod and the iPhone and you had all these little things that they were the using. The nano, the touch. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. The nano, the touch, they had every, all these little itty bitty parts. And I think that's what the mosaic warfare is. It's taking what our military right now is just trying to build something bigger and better. Every time we're trying to build a bigger ship, we're trying to build a more stealthy bomber. We're trying to do all that stuff. But instead of doing that, 
make it smaller and make individual things that can all add up to the same functionality of that one big piece. So you're not having all of your eggs in one basket kind of thing. Yeah, yeah that's it. They actually use that word, not having all the eggs in no, one basket. No. So, so there like, you go. Yeah, if the Chinese <laughs> hit one target, they're not wiping out everything. Well, okay, I guess we're packing up and going home because they just took out everything we had. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's yeah, cool. It, that, that is a good analogy because it is like uh, the military is going away from the big, flashy, special-looking aircraft and equipment. And now, like, okay, maybe that's not – just because it looks cool doesn't mean we need to build it. We should probably go small and practical. Yeah. Yeah. And that – because they're also concerned the Chinese – outnumber us 10 to 1 so they right. need to be able to overwhelm them as quickly as possible so sure and the way we were set up and built now we're not going to be able to do that so that that's their concern anyway cool yeah, yeah that's great that's, that's, that's that was... really interesting uh we'll we'll have to throw those links down in the description in case anybody wants to read about mosaic warfare or the lego mm-hmm. war which sounds cooler but it's it probably is, trademarked it... and they'd have to buy the license from lego <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I think Lego is all about having fun and peace and love and all that. Stuff. Yeah, I feel well, like yeah. I feel like Lego would be like, let's not attach our name to warfare. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> and let's uh, let's talk about our next topic. Then we're good. Yeah, yeah. Last okay. of Us, end of us. Yep. So let's go on to the Last of Us Two. It's uh the sequel to the Last of Us One. That's how you know because they put the numbers at the end. <laughs> So um, exciting, <laughs> but what what we really want to talk about? Obviously, this game is coming out, and it's 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 a highly anticipated game. It's probably going to be extremely detailed because the first one was just an amazing game. So they have it kind of had set a pretty high bar for them to try and beat. Um, but what we really wanted to focus on was specifically an article from Kotaku from Jason Schreier. I hope that's how you say his name. He's a really good uh, writer. Uh, and he, he writes really good articles about the crunch in game development. And the crunch is okay. this period right before a game comes out where they're just trying to slam as much time as they can to get all of the details right. And, and, it, and it pushes game developers to the brink. A lot of them have mental health issues because of it or they, they quit the job and they move on to something else because they just can't handle it anymore and that kind of thing. And it's, it's, it's something that plagues the game development industry. And in his article... Uh, about the last of us 2 apparently naughty dog is like up there in the world of people who crunch uh and and they said it's because naughty dog has such a insane drive for detail like they have they're they're perfectionists in their game which which Mm -hmm. you can see if you've played like the last of us or they did the uncharted series which were really good games uh and and they even talk about in the article how Naughty Dog doesn't hire junior level people. They don't hire inexperienced people because they know the people who come in know they're going to be working crazy hours and doing crazy kind of detail um, on the games to get them done. And I know uh, one of the things you wanted to talk about was the game that you were looking forward to, right? And and how yeah, yeah. Crunch kind of hurt that game. So why don't you talk about that a little bit too, and then we'll we'll discuss Crunch. I, the article I'm going through referred to with Anthem is uh, also written by Jason Schreier. Um, oh, yeah, so, it is. I didn't even notice. Yeah, so, so um, you like uh, JD was saying, he he's big into the crunch culture that video game development is getting into these days. And uh, when JD talked about, hey, let's talk about Last of Us, 
And I was like, yeah, we could do that. I know a lot of people like Last of Us, and I actually know absolutely nothing. I, I know what Last of Us is. I know the hype behind it. I've never played it or seen it because I don't own a PlayStation 4. Um, and I know it's a fantastic, it's a beautiful looking game from what I've seen of it. And like he said, um, Naughty Dog are the perfectionists. They And they encourage their developers to take creative licensing when they're doing their uh, uh, animations and graphics. Like, hey, if you think of a way to make this look prettier, or like one guy pride himself in uh, Uncharted 4, uh, he had added a mechanic where if you shoot a, um, a, a bag, barley will pull her out, and the bag will slowly shrink as the barley poured out. And then they talk about, and I don't know if it's the first Last of Us or in this current Last of Us they're still working on, that you shine the flashlight on the girl that I think, yeah, I can't remember the first name, one, which, yeah. yeah, she would flinch she and would close her eyes. Light, and, right. Yeah, which may not sound like a big deal to anybody that does a video game on the regular, um, but it's that's impressive that they have mechanics like you, I don't know how many times you can shine a light in anybody in any game and they're just staring at you with a blank stare the whole time. Right. <laughs> um, so th- they love that kind of thing, um, and which and the reason why I, I was like, yeah, I totally want to get on board with this because one of my biggest complaints about current, especially big title games these days, is these developers see the money in these games and they end up getting so excited that I remember the day where I you would wait years in between game installments. Like Call of Duty would come out and then four years later, Call of Duty 2 finally came out. Or I can't remember the actual gap, but it wasn't Call of Duty this year, then Call of Duty next year. And the same thing, like Battlefield's starting to fall in that same rut. Halo tried it a little bit. Um, but they all, they de- they still have gaps in it. But you see these franchises, they're like, "Hey, this title's really making me money. How fast can I crank this out before the holiday season to really rain in and that big bucks?" And I know there's some diehard fans out there who probably think I'm blasphemous for saying this, but I think Treyarch, Infinity War, whoever's in charge of Call of Duty now because it's changed names now, uh, I think they're making a mistake, and I'm getting sick of it. And it's probably why I think their games are gam. Uh, garbage because i don't see the pride in these games anymore it's about what can we do to make it prettier faster cooler and get that money in um i was talking with uh, jd with uh deep rock galactic one of the things i love about that game it's a private small developer and you can tell they take pride in the game they do stupid little things like you can get drunk off beer you can buy at the bar after you get back from admission um to the point where you pass out you got dancing features you can shut off graffiti in the space station there's no purpose to any of this except you can it doesn't benefit the game in any way the dwarves say stupid little comments throughout missions and make fun of each other and it it, it's entertaining so and the same thing with uh, this is what i'm getting from satisfactory it seems like a game that somebody takes pride in and they're just doing it because they can they're not doing it for the money i mean they're nobody's gonna say no to money you you get a money nobody's gonna say no to it um but i think like ea um it sounds like naughty dog start i don't know if they're doing the money it sounds like um they're they're kind of going down sense, a different path they're they're such yeah. perfectionists that they're demanding too much yeah like almost and the and it it is hurting their developers and their the people working with them but what i read in the article there's actually a group that love the crunch you know a lot of, a lot of times the crunch is bad because you're dealing with like junior game developers or people who are just mm-hmm. trying to get into the industry and they don't realize what the crunch is or that they're going to have to be working weekends and, and miss time with their family and stuff like that. But according to the article, Naughty Dog hires people with the full knowledge that they're going to be putting in that crunch. Like they know getting Mm -hmm. hired that that's what they're going to do. So yeah, I think, and so that ends up with people who actually kind of look forward to it 
but that kind of almost feels like you know like a um what was i gonna say like a shoot stockholm syndrome kind of thing mm -hmm. like like they're being they're being put into this you know bad situation and being told that it's a good situation and they're like oh yeah i can see how it's a, it's a good thing you know like yeah. i don't know they even had people saying like they actually almost feel like they're even if they don't have anything to do some of them are starting to feel obligated to stay late just because everybody else is staying late to work on their projects now one and one of the things JD mentions, like he said, they, they'll get new hires because they um after Uncharted Four they lost seventy percent of their team, which hurt them big time. So they right. had to hire a bunch of people, and it it kind of caused some some more stress on the veteran developers because they're like, well now we got to teach these guys the ropes, we got to train them on how we work and teach them everything we need to teach while trying to develop this game in the amount of time the developer wants us to do it, Naughty Dog wants to do it, and it they're they're feeling the burn from that. Which in turn will make more veterans quit, which made more new people get hired, and which made the veterans get more irritated because uh, now they have to stop what they're doing and hope to finish the project before time ran out. Um, but again, and like I said, it is. It's like a Stockholm syndrome because I'm like, yeah, we thrive in the crunch, while others are saying, no, this is absolutely killing us. So people are right. getting anxiety, they're getting depression. Um, yeah, I think the fact I, that they have such a huge turnover kind of speaks to. You know, even if people are enjoying the crunch or they know it's coming, that's not good, right? Like, and game development has a lot of turnover in general. Usually when people finish a game, they move on. Mm -hmm. But 70% is a huge number for turnover. I, I think even for game development, it seems really large. So, And it should be a problem. I mean, there's nothing wrong with crunch. There's times, like, um, in my military experience when, like, hey stuff really hit the fan or like no kidding we everybody's gonna stop what you're doing we gotta get these like jets rolling out the door as quickly as possible so mm -hmm. we, everybody needs, all hands on deck i enjoy that but every now and then if i'm doing it every single day right. for the rest of my life i'm i'm burnt out i'm exhausted it happened while i was in turkey i was like all right so i'm doing something that to me that i thought that mattered the, this mission is important yeah i'm all gun ho would tell me what to do where to go and where me and get it done and i'll do it as long as it takes but eventually for 15 months i was like i can't do this anymore i'm yeah. exhausted i'm burnt out i'm disgruntled i'm depressed i hate everything <laughs> I, I that's the most disgruntled i've ever been in my entire life and so thriving on crunch is good every now mostly and because I think you it, missed my wedding though right that was, yes it was all because you. i missed mind yeah. killers yep. yes i was completely devastated that happened to be yep. my tour in turkey yes he missed my wedding. Yeah. Okay. Hey, you're about to miss <laughs> mine too, so I don't want to hear. <laughs> well, that's don't don't blame that on me. That's Corona's <laughs> fault. <laughs> well, it wasn't my fault. I missed yours in it either. So uh, I don't know about that. You can blame ISIS for that one. I don't know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, there was a whole mess, and he has not let me forget that yet. So. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Um, every time. Yeah, and what was the, you didn't talk about the other game, uh, Anthem? Yeah, uh, Anthem. Yeah, so I was really looking for the Anthem. Um, I'm not a comic book nerd. I've never read any of the comic books, but I've grew up on the cartoons that were inspired by the comic books. And my favorite ones between Spider-Man and Iron Man. Well, there's hundreds of Spider-Man games out there. Uh, in fact, Sony just had one of their most su successful Spider-Man games recently. Yeah. Um, 
So I've never had my shortage of feel of like, Hey, I want to be the web swinging hero for the day. I can do it. Cause they're out there. They're everywhere. I've never really seen an Iron Man game. I think there was one made after the first Iron Man movie. Yeah. They, they made them for the movies, but movie, movie based games are never good. Yeah. Yeah. They're garbage. Yeah. Just like usually movie based or game based movies are usually garbage. Too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of goes hands in hand, but, um, then I heard this story, it, what, it, uh, this game about this game Anthem, which wasn't really supposed to be an Iron Man game, but it was always described of it's Iron Man. You're Iron Man. You get your Iron Man suits. You get your different Mark suits. You get the big, heavy, bulky ones. You get to fly around this massive map that's supposed to be a dynamic environment. And um, and I, so I got super hyped about it, but I should have realized it was EA, but I tried to put faith in Bioware because I know Bioware did Mass Effect. Bioware did... Um, Bioshock and so it's like hey everybody loves those games I love the Mass Effect never played Andromeda from what I understand I didn't miss anything other than disappointment so um, but what I understand Andromeda yes. fell under <laughs> Andromeda fell under the same thing the crunch and right. that killed them in fact they said up until Andromeda Bioware was one of the biggest studios in EA with the most morale and the happiest workers but when Andromeda came out, that completely flipped. And by the time Anthem rolled around and people started working on Anthem, they said it got to the point where different Bioware teams were at each other's throat. The one in Texas hated the one in Canada. The one in Canada hated the one in France because they just couldn't get along anymore. And it honestly, I believe it's EA's fault because they came in there. EA came in like um, was part of Jason Schwire's article, the beginning part. They, he was talking about how Anthem wasn't even supposed to be called Anthem. It was supposed to be called Beyond. And they said just days before the E3 convention in June 2017, EA came down and said, hey, you know what? It's going to be too hard to trademark, trademark Beyond. We're switching to Anthem. They already had T-shirts made for the staff to do the promotions at E3. And they're like, no, nope, it, it, it's Beyond. Crazy. It's Anthem now. That would be so annoying. And but that was the tip of the. That's just like not even the tip of the iceberg for what EA did. They did that all the time. They went from we don't want them to fly. Yes, they must fly. Yes, this must be in space. We don't want it in space. Hey, let's make it by like Dragon Age, but put it in space. I'm like, no, we don't want to make it like Dragon Age. Dragon Age is its own thing. We if we're gonna do Bioware, we want to do or if we're gonna do Anthem, we want something different. We don't want to follow what we've done with Anthem or Mass Effects or um, Bioshock. We want something different. But EA is like, but it worked in Dragon Age. It did. But they, in fact, they had they had the crunch in Dragon Age too. They said some of the Dragon Age team members came over to Anthem. And they said they actually secretly hoped Dragon Age, the last one, was going to fail because they knew if it failed, EA would no longer expect that from them. But since apparently it did as well as it did, they're like, well, crap, EA is going to constantly expect this from us. And they did. And that's what they do with Anthem. And they kept changing the name the title how it looked and then first it wasn't supposed to have microtransactions that like ea is like totally throw microtransaction in here because that's the new hot thing so everybody wants microtransactions no right. we really don't we really don't <laughs> nobody does nobody does ea especially, nobody has ever wanted them stop it especially if you're paying 60 dollars for a full game it's a little different if you're playing a free-to-play like uh league of legends my or Fortnite, where you're not paying for the game so if you want to drop a few bucks into cosmetics knock yourself out but if you're paying $60 for a game and it's actually stopping your progression then yeah that bothers people yeah. because now that I paid 60 bucks you want like and they're like well there's no more expansion packs like with Battlefield 5 no more expansion packs but look at all these um 
these microtransactions you can have. So if you don't feel like doing the grind to unlock all the weapons in this class, you can go ahead and buy them. So putting other people at a disadvantage is, but anyway, that's a different argument. The microtransactions <laughs> can be, yeah. Microtransactions, uh, they're their own topic. <laughs> yeah. But so that they, they were getting sick of this because Bioware felt like they lost their identity for what they used to be back in the age of Bioshock. And, right. Um, it's Mass not Effect. Bioshock. I, I was saying Bioshock earlier, and that that's wrong. It wasn't Bioshock, right? I don't think what Bioware did Bioshock. They did Dragon Age, and they did Mass Effect. Okay, that maybe, you know, I think you're right. Are you sure? I, I, I kept saying Bioshock, but I don't think that's true. I think just because they're called Bioware, I said Bioshock. I think I was getting that confused in my head. See, but even before you said that, I always thought they did Bioshock. The reason why I want to bring Anthem in, like Anthem is completely everything wrong with crunch culture for game development. Right. Um, uh, whereas Naughty Dog has some positive lights to the crunch culture, um, but they talk about one story where these people working late at 9 o'clock and they were doing renovations in the building on the next floor, and a big steel pipe came crashing to the f- floor and was within inches of people working at their desks, the construction company thought everybody was gone because they're not supposed to work late, but they were because they were in this crunch culture. And um, so, I mean, the company reacted quickly, fired the construction company, but the people like this is an example of the unhealthy environment we're living in. We're we're put in situations in this because we're so dedicated to getting this game out. And like JD said, they're hiding are hiring perfectionists and the problem with hiring perfectionists nobody wants to finish anything or leave until they get it fixed the way they want it right yeah and that's so co- definitely creates some bad conflict there yeah yeah it's not it was the bioware was Baldur's gate dragon age and mass effect those are their big franchises okay. i don't know i don't know why we got stuck on bioshock <laughs> yeah so sorry about that guys for yeah. uh messing that up <laughs> that, that, was, that was on my yeah, that was my bad <laughs> Bioshock was 2K. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was a uh, irrational games. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, anyway, doesn't matter. Um, we're talking. We're just talking about crunch, and I'm sure, like I would bet money that Bioshock, especially that last one, the the Bioshock uh, Infinity or whatever it was, I bet those had um, crazy crunch just to get those right too. Uh, and it's and- just it's such a. I, I read about these articles all the time, and it's so pervasive in gaming in the gaming industry that it's accepted like they they just think okay this is going to happen if i go to work on this game that we're going to get crunched and that sucks i mean people make games because they love video games and that's just a good way to beat that love out of them yeah especially if they get caught up on the crunch and they're spending all this blood sweat and tears into these games and then the game it released the gamers and then everyone's like garbage why am i paying to play this what do you guys do to a game i loved it's destroyed now yeah it's because yeah it's because by the time they're done making it those people are so beat down that they don't even realize they're making something bad and that kind of sucks i mean that as far as i know anthem is pretty much dead right like yeah nobody really liked it when it came out it didn't stick around very long and that was supposed to be their next big thing and it was supposed to be designed to be like destiny where it could be upgraded for years and years and years and now last i heard it's that they still had the christmas trees up from the holidays <laughs> like they didn't even take their holiday decorations down so and it sucks so bad because the original plan for anthem sounded so cool yeah. this planet was supposed to be like the bermuda triangle of space where all these different races and aliens got sucked in and they're just struggling to survive they're interacting with a hostile environment not only ho- they said you actually it wasn't supposed to be a whole lot of combat 
and it wasn't supposed to be like a weapons grind like Destiny. It was supposed to have Destiny-like features, but it wasn't supposed to be a weapons grind. It was like, I must do this to get the next best weapon out here. It was just, I must do this just to complete an objective. Yeah. They talk about one mission even going in, like the whole purpose of the mission was you, you were supposed to fly in with your suits into an active volcano, find out why this volcano that was never supposed to erupt suddenly went violent and started getting active, find out why it's about to erupt, and try to stop it from interrupting. And while dealing with all these hostile aliens that are angry and disgruntled because they just got sucked into this planet and they're not supposed to be on, and nobody can find a way out. And you're supposed to go out salvage tech to improve your suits, your guns, and but that that's gone. It's this garbage that they have out now. Yeah. Then they even admit it, put in invent intentional blockers in to slow down the gameplay. Like this one mission everybody complained about it was a chain mission. But there was so time oriented that it literally were it would took multiple days for people to beat this one mission because they intentionally slowed it down. And um, from what I understand, Bio BioWare is like, this is a mistake, don't do that. But EA is like, no, we want the longevity of the game. They're like, you don't understand. People are gonna get frustrated and bored with this because there was supposed to be an in-depth story to this game, but that kind of got thrown out the window like the first Destiny. And the mission that could have been something cool ended up not being anything cool because yes, the individual mission had a story, but it meant nothing to the actual game. So people are like, I'm wasting all this time and I can't continue until it's done. Be but it means nothing to the actual story of the game. All right. We'll talk about Minecraft pretty quick. I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about with this Minecraft thing. Um, it's just no. really cool. It's a neat yeah. concept. Um, so it's a, it's an example of what video game is doing to the actual real world these days. Yeah, it's like how the yeah, exactly. So this this uh, organization called Reporters Without Borders, they they have journalists all over the world, and a lot of them work in environments that are hostile to journalists, like Egypt or Russia, where there's censorship of the press. Yeah, and uh, so what they did was they commissioned a library to be built in Minecraft, and inside this library they they basically use this as a way to get around the censorship of the internet of the press in those countries because Minecraft is available and it Everywhere. isn't censored the way that the rest of the internet is. So they can go inside Minecraft and put their articles and their press inside this library that's built inside the server of a Minecraft game. And then people can go in there and read these articles that would otherwise be oppressed uh, would be would not be allowed to leave the country, uh, would not would not even get published anywhere. They so and mm -hmm. I just think that's really cool. And it's and it's actually and it's not just like it's you know like an empty Minecraft server and they just wrote some stuff on a tablet or something. They actually built like a giant you know like Library really cool. of Congress kind of monument thing in there that you can actually With just walk through. Yeah, which is just really really cool. Uh, and so we're gonna get. We're going to get Anthony here to try and go inside it. <laughs> yeah. And we'll That's get what he footage. wants to do. I do. Um, probably on my YouTube channel, I'll post footage of the library. But the library, if you haven't seen it, looks really cool. Like, someone put a lot of thought and detail in this. And like JD says, there's a lot of countries that um, everybody complains about our media and our press over in this country. But the beauty of why our media and the press is, regardless of what you feel about it, is because we have the freedom. They can do whatever they want without repercussions other than being criticized by critics. Um, that's the worst fear is being criticized or called bad names. Whereas in these countries, 
if you say something that the country does, the government of that country doesn't like, you're shut down. Some of them are even thrown in jail. Um, they yeah. have an example. Could even be worse. Um, could even be killed. Could have their families yeah. kidnapped. Things like that. What yeah. they do, whatever they can do to coerce the media to talk about what they want to talk about, um, without getting into detail because it's a sensitive topic on some platforms. What's going on in China right now? They just kicked out all American journalists because they don't want the journals digging in around what's happening anymore. And this is a perfect opportunity for anybody that's loyal to the American journalists that are out there. They can go into the server now um, and post these articles and th they'll have their ways. They probably have secret codes or something, or they might even have a Dewey decimal system in there to make it easier for if a journalist wants a specific story from a specific country, they can go hunt it down. Uh, but it looks really cool. It's got bookcases with books in it. I mean, you anybody who's playing Minecraft know what a library is supposed to look like as far as the bookshelves go. But it, it was just a really cool concept. And it's got me. I, I used to love Minecraft all the time. But now the if it wasn't for the story, like JD showed, sent me an article and I kind of just breezed over. I didn't even read the article. I just saw the picture. I was like, yeah, that's really cool. Somebody spent a lot of time making this really cool looking library. And then I actually took time to read the article. I was like, okay, now this is like really cool. This is like an opportunity for oppressed countries to get their story out there for the rest of the world to know, which mm -hmm. is normally not even possible because of the uh, the censorship they got over there. Yeah. And we'll and we'll have to see how well this works out because – it literally just released March twelfth, like that. It that's hasn't. when it. It ha like I. I thought this had been around for a while, and we only just discovered it. But it. This is a brand new thing, um. So we'll see how well it works, how well the articles get out, and if if those countries actually are paying attention, they might even try and find a way to censor this. Who knows? Um, yeah, I mean, which is unfortunate, but for now, it's out there. Correct me if I'm wrong. You said it's only available in the Java version of Minecraft. Yeah, they, they made yeah. it very specifically low-tech. So it's like the Java version of Minecraft, and it's like an older version of the Java version mm -hmm. since some of these countries aren't going to have the most up-to-date version. Uh, so, yeah. So you have to, like, roll back your Minecraft to, to get just to, to get access yeah. to it. Yeah. All right. I think that about wraps it up for this episode. Yeah. Uh, this is episode two. Um, talked about DARPA and... Last of Us Crunch, Game Development Crunch, and Minecraft. And that's pretty much it. You have anything you mm -hmm. want to say to people? No, I uh, just appreciate you guys joining us. JD is still working out getting all this all on podcast platforms. I think he's got it all. Yeah, pretty much. We yeah. got it pretty much everywhere, but Apple's kind of delaying it. Take, yeah. They've taken a long so, time to approve it. Uh, yeah, so look forward to that. We're going to be tweeting about it. Um, we originally were going to tweet them all together. But Apple's taking its time. It is on Spotify. So yeah. I guess that would be it's the It's on Spotify and Google Podcasts are the two big ones. Uh, it's also on Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, a couple couple, couple smaller places if you happen to listen to podcasts in those places. But obviously mm -hmm. it's, it's available in a lot of spots and you can subscribe anywhere you are comfortable doing so. Yeah. And, oh, and use our hashtag in TWP. To, yeah, that, that's what it's to talk to us if you want to leave a comment or draw a picture of Anthony's ugly face and send it to him uh, you can use Why the hashtag hiding and we'll, behind the mic? we'll check it yeah right I know you are hiding behind the mic today you gotta, <laughs> gotta come out and smile and show everybody your pearly whites I, I'm doing myself with my social my part in social distancing I'm yeah doing, I figured Ma maintaining a, a steady distance of about 2,000 feet miles 
I don't know yes, how far apart are we. And whoever is watching, whether yeah. you're in the same state or across the world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Use our hashtag. Uh, if we miss something in the topics we talk about that you think would be cool for us to dig up on, or you want to like rehash something we brought up in the past, like Valorant is actually going into detail about their uh player their characters now. So right. we, I we'll probably wait till a lot more news comes out in Valorant before we do a follow up story. But if you find something really cool you think should be talked about in the next episode, hashtag NTWP. Talk to us about Valorant, or if you're just like, hey, I found something really off the wall that no, a lot of people don't know about, but I think it's really cool. We'll take a look at it, see if it's worth a shot. We'll throw it in the next podcast. And so, just and just like, a reminder is we're both military. I'm I'm a veteran now because I have a beard, so obviously. Uh, but he's active duty, and obviously we talked about DARPA and the Mosaic warf- Warfare philosophy, so we're, we're into talking about that kind of stuff. So if that's something you're interested in, Hashtag NTWP and ask us questions about the military or share articles with us. We'll talk about that stuff too. And we're like you said, we're both military. We talk like talk about this things too. Sometimes the gaming world will cross over the military. I remember a long time ago, um, I can't remember if it was the PS2 or three. The DoD took like hundreds of these Playstations and hooked them together, and made like a server out of them. For I don't know what they were working on, but they they were. I, I, yeah, I, I remember that them. too. I don't want, know what that yeah. was for. It was for bit. So. Bitcoin. It might be. <laughs> he was trying to get Bitcoin. I don't know. Yeah, I do remember yeah. that. I remember yeah. that thing about the PlayStations hooking up, and then I remember uh, they were using Xbox controllers for flying drones and, and unmanned yeah, yeah. aerial vehicles and stuff. So, you know, we but see that kind of stuff every yeah. now and then. Use that hashtag NTWP uh, and ignore Anthony because he's dumb. Okay, bye. See you next week. Stay safe, stay healthy. Wash your hands.